0: The Benchy Section Virginia, my wife, and I were chemists. At the beginning of World War II, rather than be drafted, because I wasn't particularly interested in killing anybody or having anybody kill me, I went with DuPont as a chemist and spent two years down at Childersburg, Alabama, in a powder plant, making powder for the military. And we worked there for two years, and they called me in and said, we're sending you tomorrow to a little town nobody's ever heard of, Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Uh, You go to the laboratory and tell her where you're going tomorrow, but you tell her not to mention the word Oak Ridge. It'll be treason if she does. Oh, by the way, you'll be exposed eight hours a day, six days a week to the most dangerous element on earth, plutonium. And you'll also be exposed to large amounts of radiation. And it'll be 35 years before you know whether you're gonna die of cancer or not as a result of that exposure. Well, it didn't make me feel particularly good. So first day there, FBI agent called me in the office and said, we're making a bomb here. One bomb will blow up a whole city. I I was in training at Oak Ridge for three months, and my wife, Virginia, was also. And then we were sent out to uh, Hanford, Washington, Hanford Engineering Works, where there were five huge reactors that they uh, put the uranium in, and made plutonium in the reaction. I had the job of testing the materials in the tanks after the uranium and plutonium and the other radioactive elements that were associated were dissolved up in the acid. It was passed through five tanks in this huge building. It was called a canyon. It was a quarter mile long, uh, walls three feet thick. No windows, of course. And when we were down there in the bottom of that canyon, we could look up and see way up in the top, behind leaded glass, the operators. We were down there with the stuff and pulling it up out of the tank. But some of the chemists protested mightily about going down there and doing that. So they took us off of it and sent other people down who didn't have the biggest idea of what they were doing. They were just told to do that. At first they were planning on dropping it on Germany. In fact, the FBI agent told me, the Germans have been doing research on this for some time. We know they're way ahead of us. If they get that bomb before we do, our military can be knocking at the gates of Berlin and they'll win the war hands down. Well, it really turned out the Germans were nowhere near making it. Uh, They sort of had the wrong idea of how to make the bomb and Hitler lost interest in it when he got the uh, buzz bombs and the missiles to uh, send over to London. So then when Germany uh, was out of the war, still had Japan, and the question was, should we drop it on Japan? There were a lot of us who thought we shouldn't drop it at all. Uh, 6 of we chemists said, we don't like what we're doing here, we quit. And he went up the DuPont authority line and came back down and said, fine, quit. You quit, we'll see you're drafted into the army and sent right back to the same laboratory desk sunny August morning, Hiroshima had no premonition of its fate. On Tinian Island in the Marianas, a B-29 named the Enola Gay prepared to make the first atomic bomb run. Over Hiroshima and Nagasaki, the course of world history took a new turn. The new weapon blasted the enemy completely out of the war. Japan no longer had the will to fight. We were in the lab There were five of we chemists, and it came over the PA system that the bomb had been dropped on Hiroshima. It was dead silence in the lab because we knew what had happened to the people in that city. They talked about up to 100,000 people had been killed at Hiroshima and some 80,000 at Nagasaki. But they didn't go into the gruesome details of it. It was horrible what it did to the people who who survived it. They didn't talk about why three days later they dropped another bomb, not giving the Japanese actually a chance to consider surrender. We heard at the time that the reason they dropped the bomb on Nagasaki was that was a City in the hills, and Hiroshima was on a plane flat. And the military wanted to see what the bomb would do in the hills. So they dropped it on Nagasaki. We understood for no better reason, and killed another eighty thousand people. And of course, that was the people killed immediately. Probably anywhere to up to a hundred thousand more died later, radiation poisoning cancer. Uh, It was a horrible thing we did. Well, we resigned, as I say, the day the war was over in 1945. And in 1949... I was at a meeting of the World Federalist Association in Louisville, Kentucky. And the speaker talked about peace, the way to achieve world peace. And I was extremely impressed because I was so depressed by what I had done working on the bomb and what had happened that I joined the World Federalist Association that night. And that was my first peace organization. And the the, the experience changed my whole life in terms of uh, my goals. I know I was in Afghanistan for six and a half years and I had a very intelligent, very shrewd uh, Afghan science teacher working with me. And one day I criticized the United States for something, probably for the bomb or something. And he said, oh, don't criticize the United States. You see this suit of clothes I have on, this wool suit? I could never have afforded that, buying it here in in Afghanistan. But because the United States sends over its used clothing to us, then it's very cheap and I can buy it. We, in the United States, are spending over $500 billion a year on the military. We're spending more than all other countries in the world combined. If we would take that money that we're spending on the military, and if we went round the world, particularly in the third world poverty-stricken countries, and built schools, built hospitals, helped the people to farm better and have more food, I think we could bring peace to the world. There's a (laughs) fellow, tried to climb the second-highest mountain in the world. He, he didn't quite make it, and he got lost on his way down. And he finally stumbled in this uh, mountain village. And the villagers took him in and actually saved his life. And he, he was so appreciative of what they had done that he said, hey, I'll, let me do something for you. And they said, we don't have a school of any kind, could you help us build a school? So he did, he helped them build an elementary school. Took a year and the people were so appreciative of it that uh, he decided, well, I'll build some more schools up here in the mountains of Pakistan and uh, Afghanistan. And he has already built 50 schools and he went back to one of the villages, and the villagers said, You know, the Taliban tried to come into our village. And we said, No, stay out. Uh, the Americans built us a school. We like the Americans. You stay out of here. So if we did that sort of thing, in fact, that's what he says hey, go around the world building schools, bring peace. You've been listening to The Benji Section. For more information and to subscribe to the podcast, please visit TheBenjiSection.com.